Hello, I'm Ivy Kuo, Asia-Pacific ESG leader at PwC, and you're listening to PwC Podcast, ESG in Asia-Pacific, the podcast for bite-sized updates on the latest ESG trends. In this podcast series, we take a close look at Asia-Pacific perspectives on ESG trends, what is new, what the future looks like, and why we have to change. We will be joined by business leaders and community leaders along with our ESG experts to share stories and discuss how organizations in the region are responding to various complex ESG challenges, from climate change to social and labor rights due diligence. The aim is to bring together ESG practitioners at the forefront of their fields to discuss and solve today and tomorrow's sustainability challenges which reflect PwC's new equation strategy of building trust and making a lasting difference. In this first podcast, we will touch on some basic and fundamental questions about ESG, like why it matters, what it means to organizations, what they are doing about ESG, and what to expect in the future. It can take a while to wrap your head around ESG, which cuts across a broad range of sustainability issues covering ecological, social, economical, and technological aspects. This includes issues such as climate change, biodiversity, circular economy, diversity, and inclusion, sustainable supply chain, climate tech, and energy transition, just to name a few. There's a lot of things going on in sustainability. And to help us make sense of various ESG issues, we have with us today two experts from our community of solvers. Jeremy Prepsis, PwC Asia Pacific Sustainability Supply Chain Leader, and Li Ping Lo, PwC Asia Pacific's Climate Change Leader. Jeremy, can you tell us more about your background? Thank you, Ivy. It'd be my pleasure. So as you mentioned, my name is Jeremy Prepsis. I sit in Hong Kong and I am the sustainable supply chain lead. My introduction to this convergence of supply chains and sustainability and ESG comes almost 25 years ago when I was sitting in Vietnam working for Nike and working on the first issues of Nike and labor practices and the questions on working conditions. Spent about 10 years at Nike working on those issues, primarily here in Asia. And then I started doing sustainability consulting all across Asia on the issues of the externalities, the things that happen outside of, but caused by supply chains. So that's what I bring into this conversation, Ivy. And our second expert, Li Ping, you've been helping various organizations in their sustainability journey. Can you tell us more about yourself? Thank you very much, Ivy, for inviting me to the uh, podcast. Yes, uh, sure. So a little bit about myself. So I started as a policy economist and working with governments in their development of uh, economic policy. As I work with government on their economic policy, I started to realize that a lot of these issues um, touch upon uh, the broader context as well. It touches upon environmental issues. It touches upon uh, the social agenda. So about uh, close to 
15 years ago, um, I joined uh, PwC's Sustainability and Climate Change Team. We were one of the first uh, professional services organization in the world to set up such a dedicated team uh, just on sustainability and climate change issues. Um, and I was very fortunate to join that team. Uh, fast forward 15 years on, uh, I've worked with very, uh, many organizations and governments uh, on how they address, particularly around the climate change issue. Um, and very um, happy to be here in um, this podcast to share a little bit more on some of those uh, stories. One of the fundamental ESG challenges that we face is climate change. Raymond Chow, PwC Asia Pacific and China chairman said, climate change is a real and urgent threat that has to be tackled now. The global pandemic has only just served to heighten the awareness of our relationship with nature. We all have a role to play in safeguarding our planet. Do nothing is not an option. Lidiam, from what Raymond had just said, why is ESG a must-have for business to create sustained outcomes? Jeremy? The simple answer is, uh, for us to be around for business to create sustained outcomes means business and society is going to need to work through the issues ahead of us. Avoiding a climate disaster, keeping the world at 1.5 degrees, and the other environmental impacts that will come from that, affecting people and our nature and biosystems, is fundamentally important to our future, both as citizens of the world and as businesses therein. Fantastic. Thank you, Jeremy. Um, Li Ping, would you like to share some of your insights as well? Thanks, Ivy. Well, I think um, ESG is also about, you know, the the issues um, that we face today uh, for businesses. And therefore, um, businesses respond to it is about catching the next wave of, um, you know, transformation. It's about creating jobs. It's about being innovative uh, in how we solve these problems. Uh, and it's about, you know, how do we um, look forward to the next um, next revolution in in past revolutions, we have the industrial revolutions, we have the digital revolutions, um, and I think I believe that ESG drivers will lead to the next wave of innovation and transformation. Well, that's very good, Li Ping. So how will sustainability, including ESG, drive the next wave of transformation? Both of you like to share some of your thoughts around this? I'll throw a couple of ideas in the hat. And I think as Li Ping just mentioned, the world is changing. The world is changing in many different ways. And the real question is, how is business going to do what it can and should do, which is innovate, to create and distribute solutions, and help our citizens meet their needs around the world? And specifically, well, what does that mean? Well, that means in we're facing massive challenges in climate change. How are we going to kind of define, create, apply, fund, distribute climate technology? How do we set goals and targets for energy efficiency, energy reduction, renewable energy, greenhouse gas emissions reductions? How are we going to ensure that as we make these changes, we create the jobs that are necessary? We have the skills and training to meet the needs, and those skills, training, and jobs create good living um, for our uh, consumers, for our uh, employees, and in the economies in which we operate. 
In terms of climate commitments, PwC's 25th Global Annual CEO Survey, focusing on Asia-Pacific, showed that Asia-Pacific CEOs are actually ahead of their global peers in net zero and carbon neutral commitments. 60% of responding companies have made or are progressing towards a net zero commitment versus 51% globally, and 77% have had their target setting approach independently assessed and validated versus 66% globally. Um, Liping, and what are your thoughts about transformation on the how? So I think um, on looking at how uh, businesses can drive transformation, I think we can look to the sustainable development goals. It, it does provide a good framing. So the sustainable development goals um, are a set of 17 global goals um, that we are also seeking to achieve um, in, in our society for the next sort of 10 years or so. And by understanding for each organization which of those 17 goals are most applicable to your business, to your sector, to your geographies, will help you frame uh, your role and your contribution to sustainability. It's actually really interesting when we look at this combination of we have the goals, we have the Paris Climate Agreement, and we have emerging technology and changes in the world. I mean, one way of looking at it is the world has actually defined what it wants to see. That's what the SDGs really are there. These are the, the aspirations of nations. And then how do we as business on enterprises, entrepreneurs, enable that and ensure that we operate in the changing rules that are necessary, whether it's on greenhouse gas emissions or social inclusion that allows us to achieve that. That's our, our opportunity, and that's how business really is going to think about this in, in really exciting ways. So the next up question is, um, Lipin, you mentioned, and, and uh, Jeremy both mentioned SDG goals, but there's a lot of different sort of uh, frameworks and in around SE, uh, around ESG. So um, can you share a little bit more on how we look at the different standards, um, how it compares to the SDGs and et cetera? What, what should the organization be doing or prioritizing which frameworks and why? So it's a really complicated world. Um, and there are all these goals, there are all these targets, all these issues. And the question becomes, where does a company start? One of the things that's been interesting to watch has been this focus on materiality, which is actually required by stock exchanges. It's part of a GRI disclosure process, which basically is the simple question of where should you focus and why? And there are two key ideas. And one is, where should you focus? Well, where do you, where does your company have the biggest actual or potential external impact on the world? And by understanding those, you can work to mitigate the risks, for example, of significant greenhouse gas emissions or risks of labor practices issues or lists of or risks of occupational health and safety accidents and injuries or risks to children in terms of you as a digital platform. So those are how that your company is going to affect the world around you. The other one that's really interesting, you put these two together, this is what brings sustainability or ESG into business strategy, is you take that same lens and look which of those issues are going to 
create or destroy value for your company? And sometimes that's the question of, you know, this is part of our enterprise risk management process. Of This is a primary risk that we need to manage, and here are the issues that go with that. But the other side of it is, does that open up a different lens, a different way of looking at your business to allow you to invest, maybe not to offset a risk, but to seek that opportunity? Um, And that will vary by every company that exists. Yeah, I think to build on as well on Jeremy's points, right, um, it's also uh, about organizations looking at these uh, SDGs as well as their own business imperatives and how they intersect and collide uh, in terms of the different megatrends. So we don't talk about, for example, climate action uh, just on climate action. We talk about climate action in the context of business growth in the context of creating job opportunities, in the context of uh, social issues as well. So, um, so, so I very much see the intersection and interlinkages between uh, all of the different uh, goals um, to a business uh, purpose and a business uh, mission statement. The difference there, as Jeremy said, is is about you know how material and how much and how do they interact. So, understanding that. Uh, that scale, that scale of materiality, and that scale of interaction. I think that's that's the important but complex part of this uh, this exercise. As an example of interactions between the sustainable development goals um, in PwC this year's, uh, you know, in this year's International Women's Day, we publish um, a uh, PwC Women in Work Index. And what we what we looked at was the energy sector's transition to net zero. And across the OECD, new green jobs will be created, but concentrated in only a few sectors, utilities, construction, manufacturing. Right. And these sectors employ 31 percent of the male workforce across the OECD, compared to only 11 percent of the female workforce. So with new jobs being concentrated in sectors that are male dominated, men might be better placed to take advantage of the new opportunities. Now, so those are OECD numbers, but the same results resonate here in Asia. And what I was trying to say is that while looking at some of these, um, you know, climate action issues, we need to think about gender and we need to think about social development and many other uh, considerations as well. So basically, in summary, this is something that company must do, but must prioritize and linking it to corporate strategy and be be able to identify the core strategy and how is that is in alignment with your ESG strategy. Essentially, it's not a different strategy. It should go hand in hand in your future company's future strategy. So on that on that note, on the road ahead, what does it look like? I think it's a winding road. It's a bumpy road, but it's a really interesting road ahead. I think we the changes we've been living with for the last 25 years, the changes of technology, of transparency, the ability to count and measure and see the world, the people in the world in ways that we've never been before is fundamentally transformative. I think the other big thing is, look, the investments that are needed to make to focus on greenhouse gas emissions and keep the world at 1.5 degrees are massive and they're going to shift where and how economies are creating and creating and distributing energy and that means a lot of money is flowing and that means that finance is also going to be impacting jobs and people put those three things together 
massive technological change, the significant flow and necessity of transforming our economies into a low carbon economies, and the financial and social impacts on people and jobs and cultures, that's going to make the world forward, looking forward, a really interesting pathway. The next 10 years or so has been called the decade of action, isn't it? Um, I, I think it's more than a decade of action. It's, it's also a decade of transformation. I think uh, many businesses need to be aware that, you know, the, the way their business would look like in 10 years would be very different from what it is today. In fact, if you look back uh, how your business was 10 years ago, I think you would uh, you would not have expected the change as well. So so I, I believe that, you know, there is um, there is a lot that businesses can do against each of the um, each of the 17 uh, global goals or, or even a specific thematic area. Um, but but it is very much around, you know, looking at that long term uh, strategic transformation that needs to happen and planning ahead uh, rather than sort of waiting for the change to uh, overwhelm you. Looking into the future, I think one of the key points is about understanding the increasing regulated or um, the, the landscape that would be much more regulated than what it is now. And how does that actually, um, I guess, uh, prevent us or allows us to actually think about our strategy and think about what we need to do to make sure that we stay not just in the marketplace, um, the license to operate, but how to grow and capture the wave. I think this concludes our episodes today. And I would like to thank our two guests, Jeremy Prepsis and Li Ping Lao. Thank you again for joining us. And in our next podcast, we'll be exploring the imperatives of driving sustainable supply chains. Please join me as we continue to explore the evolution of ESG and sustainability as they drive the way we work and live in.